Okay, ladies, if you would turn to Acts 2.42. That is our focus this summer. And as we meet today and then uh, a week in July and a week in August, we're going to be talking about these things that we read about in Acts 2.42. I want to give you a little bit of background first. The day of Pentecost had come. Jesus had paid the price for sin. He had risen from the dead, and he had... Um, told his followers to gather and wait in the upper room. And 120 men and women had gathered in that upper room, as Jesus had told them to. And the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them, empowering them as believers to be Jesus' witnesses, it says, in Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now, when Jesus first rose from the dead, paid the price for sin, in John, I think it's 19, verse 20, it, um, somewhere in that area, Jesus met with his disciples and he breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Spirit. That's when they were born again. That's when their bodies became the temple of the Holy Spirit. When we come to Christ, we acknowledge our sin. We ask him to cleanse us, forgive us, and be our Savior. He indwells us by the person of the Holy Spirit. But what he was telling them, go and wait in Jerusalem, because then the Holy Spirit was going to be poured out upon them, not just be in them, but cover them, and it says in Acts 2.5 that there were Jews from every nation under heaven that had gathered in the city of Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost. Um, and when the followers of Jesus, who had gathered in the upper room, and the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them, they began to speak in other tongues, praising God, glorifying God, and these Jews that had come from all over could hear them praising the Lord in languages from their own nations. And they knew that these believers that had gathered were from the Galilee region, that they were not from all these different nations. And so some were very perplexed, others mocked what was going on. Well, Peter, the one who had denied the Lord three times, now filled with the Spirit, now empowered with the Spirit, stood up in their midst, and he preached the gospel after he explained to them what was happening, because it had been prophesied in Joel 2, 28 through 32. So they listened to Peter preaching, and then they asked what they should do, and Peter told them, repent and be baptized, and they too would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, explaining that the promise was for all who would believe, including you and I today. And about 3,000 of them were saved. So now we come to Acts 2.42, and it says, And they, all these believers, referring to all these believers, continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Well, Pastor Chuck Smith, where I went to church for many years, said the four activities of the early church were Bible study, which is the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, the taking of communion or the Lord's Supper, which is referred to here as breaking of bread, and prayer. Well, years ago, as I looked at these four activities of the early church that they continued steadfastly in, I grew up in the era where we were supposed to eat from the four food groups. Now, many of you probably never heard of those, but I know a lot of you here knew about the four food groups. And if there were certain amounts you were supposed to eat from each of those groups to be physically healthy. Well, to me, these are the four spiritual food groups. 
And every believer, not just a church, but every believer should be partaking of each of these four things to be spiritually healthy. So this summer, we're going to be partaking of each of these four activities. Today, we're going to talk about the Word of God. Next month, we're not doing it quite in the same order, but next month, we're going to talk about prayer. And in August, we're going to talk about fellowship and finish fellowshipping with our Lord through taking of communion. So today, first, Hannah Favilla, who's been married to Michael for how many years did you tell me, Hannah? For 10, it, her, their anniversary is coming. 10 years, she, they have, come on up, Hannah. She has three plus children, and you'll know what I mean by three plus. Um, she's on our women's board. She knows the word, and she is very, very faithful to Bible study. So she's going to be sharing this morning with you on the Apostles' Doctrine or the Word of God. Now, I want to share a quote before I turn it over to Hannah. I read this quote just recently by Spurgeon. The best earrings. How many are wearing earrings today? Okay. The best earrings that a woman can wear are the earrings of hearing the word with attention. So, ladies, give Hannah your full attention. Hi, ladies. Isn't that a good quote? I need to like write that out and hang it on my wall next to all my earrings. <laughs> I really love earrings. Okay, but I love, I love God's word too, and that's what, that's what we're here to talk about um, this morning. Just his word and what a precious gift um, he gave to us in his word. His word is everlasting. It's alive. It's so many things to the believer, and we're going to talk about some of them this morning, and um, as I was working on this message, I just, I couldn't help but think about all, all that's going on in our world right now. You know, it's, it's pretty overwhelming, and, and specifically, I kept thinking how tragic it is. Um, I was reading an article, suicide is, I think, like number two in terms of causes of death right now in our nation. And um, a lot of people who don't know the Lord especially were kind of reeling over the two very famous people who recently took their lives. But then, you know, I saw someone else um, posted something about how over 20 veterans commit suicide, you know, every single day or something like that. And I might not be quoting that statistic exactly correctly, but I mean, just the, the overwhelming um, need for hope, true hope. And so... As I was working on this message, I just, I felt like I really couldn't help but highlight the hope and the joy that we find in God's word. And um, so we're going to look a lot at Psalm 119 this morning and the acronym, and an acronym for delight. But um, let's go ahead and pray before we get started. Lord, we just want to come before you and we want to praise you and thank you for who you are, Lord. You are magnificent beyond what we can even comprehend, Lord. Your love for us is so vast. Um, Father, we thank you for your, your mercy and your compassion, um, the forgiveness not only that you gave to us uh, through the cross, Jesus, but daily how you wash us and forgive us and encourage us and set us back on our feet and 
we're so grateful to be your daughters this morning, Lord, and we um, want to give you this time, and we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and um, just be in every detail of this message. I pray you would add to and, and take away from what I've prepared, and that you would just speak very clearly to the heart of each woman here. You know what each one needs and what will minister to her the most and build her up and encourage her the most, Lord. And um, we pray for ears to hear your still small voice, Lord, and we thank you again for this time and the great freedom that we have to meet in your name in this country. We don't take that for granted, Lord. We, we praise you and we thank you for it, and we pray that you would help us to take full advantage of it. And we love you, Father, and we give you this time in Jesus' name. Amen. So delight in God's word is kind of where I landed as I was praying over and preparing for this message. And um, that was actually the heading my Bible gave to Psalm 119. And I just kept thinking about it and um, that this is, this is what God wants from me. And this is what I believe God wants from all of us is just to delight in him and in his word. And, but I kept thinking, how do, we, how do we get there? And I wrote out the letters, you know, to spell delight. And here's what the Lord gave me. It's an acronym for delight. So for any note takers, our, our D is going to be for discipline. Our E is for example. Our L is for love. I is for implant. G is for give away. H is for hold fast. And T is for a teachable heart. So when I say discipline, I don't actually mean... Um, in the sense that God's word disciplines us, although it does do that, and most of us can attest to that, right? But um, I mean discipline um, in a way that we are disciplining ourselves so that we come to delight in God's word. Um, as the, Disciplining ourselves as the early church did, to be in the habit of listening to, of reading, of studying God's word. And Lynn gave us just a wonderful introduction to Acts 2.42. Thank you, Lynn. Um, but it's just to remind us, it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. And the Greek word that's um, translated uh, devoted there, or I know different translations say different things, um, but my translation said devoted, and the, the definition of the Greek word means to adhere to one, be his adherent, to be devoted or constant to one, to be steadfastly attentive unto, and that reminded me of Lynn's quote about our earrings, to be steadfastly attentive unto, to give unremitting care to a thing, to persevere and not to faint, to show oneself courageous for, to be in constant readiness for one, wait on constantly. So that's a, that's a lot of things wrapped up in that Greek word. Now think about some of those phrases as defining our relationship with the word of God. And one of the ones that had stuck out to me was to be steadfastly attentive unto the word of God. The first six verses of Psalm 119 kind of give us a picture of what a disciplined life of devotion to God's word looks like. And they read, how happy are those whose way is blameless, who live according to the Lord's instruction. Happy are those who keep his decrees and seek him with all their heart. They do nothing wrong. They follow his ways. You have commanded that your precepts be diligently kept. If only my ways were committed to keeping your statutes, 
then I would not be ashamed when I think about all your commands. I really love the psalmist's honesty and passion. He understood the Lord's commands were to be diligently kept, but he also understood his sin and just his human weakness to keep them perfectly. And he, he knew that there is great joy and blessing in obeying God's word. And he passionately desires a heart that is committed to keeping God's word. And that should be our heart too. This, um, when I read this passage of scripture, it actually, it reminded me of Paul's um, lament in Romans 7. He says, for in my inner self, I joyfully agree with God's law, but I see a different law in the parts of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and taking me prisoner to the law of sin in the parts of my body. What a wretched man or woman I am. Who will rescue me from this dying body? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with my mind, I myself am a slave to the law of God, but with my flesh to the law of sin. Therefore, no condemnation now exists for those in Christ Jesus, because the Spirit's law of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. And that's Romans 7, through 25, and the first two verses of Romans 8. So Paul is essentially saying, there's a war going on. My flesh does not want to obey God's word. And we all know we experience this every day. And we talked a lot about it when we um, just recently studied the book of Galatians. But we, we have this inner battle, this inner struggle going on in us. But praise God, Jesus has given us the power to fulfill God's word and to obey God's word. So all of this to say, we need to be disciplined in our pursuit of God and his word because devoting ourselves to him and his word, it goes against our flesh. It's as simple as that. It's not natural to our sin nature. And this is why we must give unremitting care to our time in God's word and persevere and not faint daily as we seek to meet with him in his word. And I'll be the first to admit, ladies, that I I actually really struggle with this Um, ever since, you know, it used to be, it's kind of funny when I like compare (laughs) my life before kids and my life now, Um, because some of you know I have a two-year-old, a four-year-old, and a six-year-old, and then this baby is due at the end of September, and we're we're so thankful, Um, but I've had to... It's just been this kind of roller coaster ever since. Well, actually, I shouldn't say that. When I had Isabella, I just had one. So when I would nurse her, I would just read my Bible, and it was great because they're always nursing when they're teeny tiny, you know. But then they grow up, and they start walking, and they start getting into everything, and it gets a lot more challenging. So anyway, but I used to have this reading schedule that I, I still try to do every year, and I fail every year now. But I used to, you know, read through the Bible once a year. And it was awesome because it was just me and my time was my time. But um, now my time is given to lots of little people. And I am not a morning person, I will confess. So I have great respect for all you ladies that get up super early and still dark and you do your quiet time and you're my hero. I really struggle to do that. I try and sometimes it's just more like I get up and I sit at the kitchen table and I just do this. But I think that um, we, all, we all know ourselves, our strengths and weaknesses, and the, the main thing is just carving out the time that, that we each know um, we need, because it doesn't just happen, and I know you ladies know that, um, 
but really it's, I, well, it's not funny, but I think that the Lord maybe kind of had it happen so that I could just honestly stand before you and tell you that I really do struggle to be consistent. Leading up to this message, I really had a horrible time um, being consistently in the word every day the way that I want to be. Um, and so, you know, none of us has arrived. None of us are perfect at this, but but we make it a priority and we discipline ourselves to have that be a very important part of our day and to carve it out whenever that is, whether it's in the morning, whether it's in the middle of the afternoon, in the evening. I don't know if there's, I know there's other moms in here, but I don't know if there's any other moms that have kids as young as as mine, but um, you know, sometimes we just gotta grab whatever moments God gives us and um, and have that time in His Word. It's amazing how a little bit of time with the Lord and in His Word goes so far for us in terms of our spiritual life. Um, a lot of times, to be honest, you know, it's kind of like I'll come to the Lord to talk to Him about my challenges and getting into the Word, and He's like. Hmm, are those really challenges or are they excuses? <laughs> and you're like, oh, ouch. Because, yeah, my, my children do make it challenging, but they don't make it impossible. Um, so I, I don't want to make excuses about why I didn't spend time with God in his word because it's not, it doesn't just hurt me, it hurts everyone around me. I, I am not the wife, um, the mother, the friend, the daughter, the sister God wants me to be when I'm spiritually weak because I've been starving myself by fasting from the word of God. I don't want to make excuses. Um, Leading up to this message, God gave me just such a clear picture of what this looks like in our spiritual life when when we don't spend the time with him that we really should. Um, So I was... (laughs) I was joking with Peggy um, that I have a black thumb because she has a, a green thumb. If some of you know, she just has such a beautiful garden. But um, but I I can kill pretty much any plant that you give me. I'm serious. If there's something that you have in your garden or you don't really don't like, just bring it to me. I'll kill it. Succulents? Oh yeah, I can do it. I can do it. Trust me. I wish I had a green thumb. I really I really desire one, but I just I just don't. Um, pray for me. No, I'm kidding. Um, but I, I, for Mother's Day, I really wanted to have some color in my yard. And, you know, I talked to my husband about getting a few hanging plants. And he said, yeah, sure. So, so I got them and I hung them up. And, oh, they just brought me, you know, so much delight just seeing the beautiful flowers out there. And so the fir- for the first few days, they looked great. And then I realized that they were kind of droopy and dying. And I realized I forgot to water them. So... Yeah. Um, so they, I took them down, and I'm watering the poor things. I'm just, like, praying that they'll survive. Like, please, God, don't let me kill these beautiful plants I just bought. And um, the next day, I went to check on them, and lo and behold, they looked brand new, they, as if they had never even wilted at all. And the Lord just spoke to my heart and told me, you know, Hannah, these flowers are exactly like you. When you don't spend time with me and my word, you become spiritually exhausted. Just like the unrelenting sun had been beating down on these flowers and they had nothing to drink. And so they just kept wilting and becoming weaker and weaker. That is like you when this unrelenting assault of the world, the sin in your life, your your flesh, the enemy, it's just assaulting you. You begin to wilt spiritually, and you can't stand against these outside forces. 
without me, but when you come to me, to the fountain of living water, and drink my word, you are refreshed. Your spiritual life is reconnected to the vine, and you begin to thrive again spiritually. And the more you drink, the stronger you will get. Until no one would believe that you had once been near death, because of a famine of my word in your life. And the Lord just, it was so clear. He said, don't let your heart become dry. Come and drink. Psalm 119.9 says, How can a young man or woman keep his way pure? By keeping your word. But how can we keep it if we haven't disciplined ourselves to know it? Verses 56 and 57 of Psalm 119 say, This is my practice. I obey your precepts. The Lord is my portion. I have promised to keep your words. I think these verses should be our heart cry to the Lord, that he help us to know and obey his words and to continually devote ourselves to this, that he might truly be our portion during this life. Psalm 54 of Psalm, I'm sorry, verse 54 of Psalm 119 says, your statutes are the theme of my song during my earthly life. Isn't that beautiful? I'm going to say it again. Your statutes are the theme of my song during my earthly life. Oh, to have that be true of our lives. I, to that end, we should be disciplining our minds and our hearts, for God's word gives us our example for life. This is our E in our delight acronym, our example for life. In verse 66 of Psalm 119, the psalmist prays, Teach me good judgment and discernment, for I rely on your commands. As God's children, we understand that he wants what's best for us, especially as parents, um, as mothers, grandmothers, great-grandmothers. We want what's best for our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. We know that God instructs us so that we may reap the benefits of knowing him intimately and that we might fulfill the purpose for which we were created, which is to glorify him. In verse 73, the psalmist prays, Your hands made me and formed me. Give me understanding so that I can learn your commands. When most of us think of um, Psalm 119, I think probably a particular verse comes to mind. Anybody, what do you guys think of when you think of Psalm 119? You can shout it out. I know you know, Kathy. Okay. The whole psalm? <laughs> What's the famous one about the light? <laughs> Lynn knows because she already heard this before. She's cheating. Anyway, I guess we're not as awake as Monday night's crowd, but your Psalm 105, or verse 105 of Psalm 119 says, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. But let's back up a few verses and read how clearly the psalmist understood that God's word was his clear example for righteous living. Um, if you back up to verse 99, he says, I have more insight than all my teachers because your decrees are my meditation. I understand more than the elders because I obey your precepts. I have kept my feet from every evil path to follow your word. I have not turned from your judgments, for you yourself have instructed me. How sweet your word is to my taste, sweeter than honey in my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every false way. And then the psalmist says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. 
I love the verse about God's word being sweeter than honey to David. It reminds me of the words of Jeremiah the prophet who said, your words were found and I ate them. Your words became a delight to me and the joy of my heart, for I am called by your name, Yahweh, God of hosts. Some of you ladies will have um, heard Jeremiah described as the weeping prophet. He, um, this gem of a verse is, is stuck in the middle of a chapter, um, the context of which is that Jerusalem is being invaded and Jeremiah has actually been called by God to prophesy um, you know, the judgment of Jerusalem, the fall of Jerusalem. And because he's speaking the truth of the word of God, um, he, he is hated. The, the truth of God's word at this time was wildly unpopular. Does that, does that sound familiar to anybody <laughs> in this room? Um, so Jeremiah, he's actually crying out in this chapter to the Lord for vengeance against his persecutors. And in the midst of his prayer, he remembers before the Lord that it's been the Lord's word alone that has brought him true and lasting joy in the midst of his affliction. And I believe, I know it's my personal experience that as we discipline ourselves to regularly be in God's word and as we choose to daily make his word our example of how we should live, that we begin to fall in love with the Lord and his word. And the L in delight is love. Listen to the psalmist's words in verse 20 of Psalm 119. I am continually overcome with longing for your judgments. And there's that word again, continually. We are to continually devote ourselves to God's word as the early church did, continually disciplining ourselves to spend time in it, to reflect its teaching in our daily lives and fall so in love with the Lord and his word that to obey is a joy and a delight. Listen again to the psalmist in verse 24. Your decrees are my delight and my counselors. We have been given a wonderful counselor, the Holy Spirit, who teaches us all things. Jesus told his disciples, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. And he will also declare to you what is to come. He will glorify me because he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. And that's found in John 16, verses 13 and 14. Shortly after Jesus declared that he is the light of the world, he told those who had believed in him, if you continue in my word, and this could also be uh, translated my teaching or my message, if you continue in my word, you are really my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We know the truth is found in Christ alone and in his word alone. And we also know from John 8, 36, that if the Son sets you free, what, ladies? You are free indeed. But the Lord ultimately desires a vibrant love relationship with us. Not that we obey his word out of a sense of duty, but that we are eager to obey him as an expression of our great love for him. And we love 
him knowing that he first loved us. He died for us when we were yet sinners, when we were still his enemies. Knowing how much God loves us, that he was willing to give his only son, Jesus, to die in our place, that we might live. How can we not exclaim with the psalmist, I delight in your commands, which I love. I lift up my hands to your commands, which I love, and will meditate on your statutes. And that's verse 47 and 48 of Psalm 119. His zeal, David's zeal for God's word comes from his great love for the Lord. And sometimes, like the prophet Jeremiah, it's in the most difficult places of our lives that we find ourselves drawing the closest to the Lord and that we find his word of the greatest comfort, the greatest joy and delight to our achingly painful hearts. Listen again to the psalmist speak of those who had wounded him, but of the comfort he found in God's word. And stop for a second and, and think about David's life with me because, again, Many of you know, you know, David as a young boy had to go on the run and, and be in hiding from King Saul because King Saul wanted to kill him. And he went through many great trials and the Lord was his rock. And um, so with that in mind, thinking about David's life, listen to these words. The arrogant have smeared me with lies but I obey your precepts with all my heart. Their hearts are hard and insensitive, but I delight in your instruction. It was good for me to be afflicted so that I could learn your statutes. Instruction from your lips is better for me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. And that's Psalm 119, verses 69 through 72. And I'm going to read more than one section where you kind of hear David He's crying out to the Lord. He's being honest about his struggles. And you hear him kind of say what's going on and, and how difficult it is. And he's pulled, being pulled this way. And then you hear him refocus on the Lord and on his word. And he comes back to a place of rest. And you hear it again and again. David cried out to the Lord, I open my mouth and pant because I long for your commands. Turn to me and be gracious to me as is your practice toward those who love your name. That's verse 131 and 132. We should, like the great psalmist, rejoice over the Lord's promises like one who finds vast treasure. The I in our delight acronym is implant. And the verse that the Lord um, put on my heart is James 121. And this is the amplified version of this verse. So get rid of all uncleanness and all that remains of unwickedness, and with a humble spirit, receive the word of God, which is implanted, actually rooted in your heart, which is able to save your souls. When we love someone, we want to be our best self for that person. And I think that true love really does inspire change. Hopefully, it's good change. But... When we love someone, we're willing to sacrifice for that person. We're willing to humble ourselves in order to serve the one we love. And as we fall in love with the Lord and his word, we desire to rid ourselves of the filth of this world and to humbly receive his word, which is able to change us and save us. 
And I just, you know, I keep thinking about um, when I fell head over heels for my husband, you know, and the things that you do when you're very first in love. And then when you first get married, too, and you're in that newlywed season, you know, it doesn't last forever. But while it lasts, there, there is this great striving just that is fueled by your love for that person, this great striving to serve them. And, you know, when that newlywed season <laughs> wears off, because it generally does, and that love becomes more of, uh, it's not emotionally driven. It's, it's, a, it's a choice of your heart. It's a commitment that you make every day. Sometimes some of the things that you used to do, just out of that great love, they kind of, they kind of fall away. And I know, I feel like one of the things the Lord really spoke to my heart with this message was just to return to my first love, you know? And like he says in the book of Revelation, and do those things that you did at first. I'm going to cry. Sorry, I'm so pregnant and hormonal, you guys. So if I do cry, you'll just have to forgive me. Um, but anyway, there, my husband, and he, I told him I was working on this message, and, and uh, I was kind of... I, I tend to sit for a long time and just pray and pray and pray because this is like a, is a very fearful thing for me, actually, because, you know, if we teach the word of God, there's a lot of accountability with that. So I spend a lot of time praying, and I, sometimes I actually I deal with, like, fear. You just, I don't want to... I don't want to say the wrong thing. I just want to say whatever you want to say, Lord. And, but then I'll procrastinate, which is not good either. So my husband knows this about me. So he's kind of trying to draw out, well, what are you thinking about? What are you working on? And, and I told him what I was going to be teaching on. So he, he, he brings, we're so different. Our brains are so different. But he brings me this huge book that I'm like, oh, thanks. <laughs> like, it's like, oh, it's really overwhelming. But he's kind of showing me, oh, check it out. It's so cool. Like, look at the doctrines of the scriptures and all this. And I'm like, ah. Um, but I, thought, I did find something really cool in it that um, I want to share with you ladies. So thanks, thanks to my hubby um, for that. There are um, many symbols of the word revealed in the scriptures. And I want to just share a few of them with you. And maybe at a later point we can get this handout to you, ladies, because um, I think it's really neat. Um, and so this is from a book called Foundations of Pentecostal Theology. But anyway, so the symbols of the scriptures. Many times the Bible uses symbolic language in order to teach, and often spiritual truth can be conveyed more realistically by the employment of symbols which bring a picture to the human mind. And thus, there are a number of symbols used throughout the scripture for this purpose. And we list um, those which are most apparent. And so the first one for the word of God is a mirror. And they give um, a verse, a few verses from James 1, 23. Uh, I'm sorry, chapter 1, verses 23 through 25. And it says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is a man or a woman who looks at his natural face in a mirror. And then remember the rest of the verse, what happens? You look at it, and then you, you see what you're really like, and then you walk away from the mirror, and you forget, right? And James, of course, encourages us not just to be a, a hearer of the word, but a doer. And so that's one of the first ones. And it and a mirror, it illustrates the revealing power of the word of God. The next symbol for the word um, is a critic. For the word of God, this is Hebrews 4.12, is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And they're kind of just taking little, not the full whole scripture, they're taking like a little piece of the scripture. And the Greek, uh, I guess, of Hebrews 4.12, um, so some translations will 
interpret that discerner or I don't know, your Bible may even have something else. But the Greek really speaks of a critic of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The next one is uh, God's word is represented as seed in scripture. Um, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. And that's 1 Peter 1, verses 23. Um, Also, when Jesus is sharing the parables with the disciples, if you'll remember that they ask him to then explain them. And he very specifically explains to them that the seed is the word of God. And so this symbol suggests the generative power of the word. It is life-giving. And then one that I kind of wanted to pull out, and there's more than what I'm going to share with you um, this morning, just for time's sake. But the next one is labor and water. And um, in Ephesians 5.26 Um, It's talking about the marriage relationship, but Paul makes it really clear that he's actually talking about that the marriage relationship is a picture of the greater relationship of Christ and his church. And so Ephesians 5 talks about the bridegroom, Christ, sanctifying and cleansing his bride, the church, with the washing of water by the word. Revelation 1.5 talks about how Christ washed us from our sin in his own blood. And we already mentioned Psalm 119.9, that when one keeps his way pure, or think about washes his path by keeping God's word. In John 15 verse 3, Jesus told his disciples, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. And then if some of you ladies maybe went through the study um, where we looked at the different pieces of the tabernacle, and, um, and one of them was the laver or the washstand, and that was where the, the priests would cleanse themselves. But we know we are a royal priesthood, and it's God's word that not only reveals what's dirty in our lives, but it, it gives us a way of cleansing ourselves. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous or just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So as we spend time with the Lord and in his word, the Holy Spirit is able to plant his word more deeply in our hearts. And we have an ever-increasing desire for him to do this work in us. And we will pray, as the psalmist did, I will meditate on your precepts and think about your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Open my eyes so that I can contemplate wonderful things from your instruction. And that's verses 15 through 16 and 18 of Psalm 119. So when we fall in love with the Lord and his word, we long to have him plant his word deeply in us. And the more we allow him to do that, the more a new desire will grow in us to give away his truth. And this is our G in delight, give away. The Lord does not want us to pile up the vast treasure of his word for ourselves and hoard it for our good alone. He wants us to continually be giving it away to others, that others might be satisfied by his living water in their lives. Psalm 119.46 says, I will speak of your decrees before kings and not be ashamed. 
And Paul similarly said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, Romans 1.16. And as Lynn often reminds us, we may not all have the gift of an evangelist, but we are all called to do the work of an evangelist. The Lord's final command before his ascension back into heaven was for us to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And he said, and remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. And that's Matthew 28, 19, and 20. So I, I understand, ladies, that we, a lot of times, it's, we just get afraid um, to reach out to people. That, that initial, um, the initial, you know, confrontation of kind of going up to someone and opening our mouth, I understand the fear there because there's been so many times, like literally my knees were just like knocking together, but the Holy Spirit's conviction to speak to that person was so overwhelming that it's like, I'm going anyway, okay, I'm going to open my mouth. I don't know what's going to come out, but um, so... I think that if we're in love with the Lord and his word is being planted more and more deeply in our hearts, it's just a natural overflow of our time with the Lord and in his word that, that we'll want to share that with those around us, both believers and non-believers, because we'll be excited about what God's been speaking to us in his word and, and what he's been showing us. And it will, it'll be at the forefront of our minds. It's the, the first thing that's on our mind, the first thing that's going to be on our tongue. It's the most exciting thing we can think of. So it will be all I hope that we can all do to hold ourselves back. And I get that we don't always feel like that. (laughs) And I think that when we don't, we can just gently check our hearts and kind of go through this acronym and just ask ourselves, am I disciplining myself to be spending time with the Lord and in his word? Am I patterning my life after the example of, of Jesus and his word? Am I truly motivated by my love for the Lord? Or is it just a sense of duty that I, I know I should do this? Am I growing in the Lord and in his word? Do I desire to share his word with others? And just gently go through and just gently check in with the Lord on those things. Um, I know that I shared with the ladies on Monday night, um, when I was a, f- a fairly new believer, Michael and I, um, we both grew up in Christian families, but I don't know, they, our families did not consistently go to church. We have similar testimonies. And anyway, we were kind of a, a hot mess in our teens and early 20s. But we both, um, the Lord got a hold of both of our lives around the same time. And um, and we started walking with the Lord, and, and we were just really on fire for the Lord. And we, um, while we were courting, we started volunteering with an organization called Gospel for Asia. And there was a couple that um, were the volunteer coordinators of this area. And they, you know, kind of took us under their wings. And not, not just um, in the capacity of, of serving that organization, but really they 
kind of took us under their wing as, you know, much older seasoned believers and, and wanting to pour into our life as, as younger believers. And I remember we went to this training at their house, and afterwards, I'm sitting there, and, the, and it was actually, um, this, I'm talking about Nanita Sioko, and some of you know her. Our church um, recently started supporting she and her husband. They have a, a Bible college in the Philippines. Anyway, she, she's talking to us, and she's really blunt. She's very fiery woman of God, and she's just like, do you really love the Lord? Have you fallen in love with the Lord? And I'm like, what? I don't, I, we were like talking, I don't even know what we were talking about. It was like the question came out of nowhere, but it just like went right, you know, to my heart. And she was just kind of sharing how she was a Christian for a really long time before, you know, God really convicted her like, do you love me? Have you really fallen in love with me? And how when she prayed about that, and as it really began to happen in her life, just how it, it totally transformed her walk with the Lord. And so it was something I had to sit with for a while, and the Lord did do that work in my life, but he used Nanita to really, you know, put, the, put her finger on, you know, that this, this our relationship is to be this vibrant love relationship, and that's what drives us in everything we do for the Lord. So I just wanted to share that with you ladies. The Lord was clear that in this life, we will have trouble. And often his word becomes to us an anchor to see us through life's raging storms. The H in our delight acronym is hold fast. And most of us know um, again, I had shared about King David, that all that he went through with uh, King Saul, and not just King Saul, but he experienced many trials in his life. Uh, he wrestled with depression. He had doubts and fears like any human being, and he made many mistakes. But one thing David consistently did throughout his life was to hold fast to the Lord. Listen to him tell the story in his own words. I long for your salvation. This is Psalm 119, starting in verse 81. I long for your salvation. I put my hope in your word. My eyes grow weary looking for what you have promised. I ask, when will you comfort me? Though I have become like a wineskin dried by smoke, I do not forget your statutes. How many days must your servant wait? When will you execute judgment on my persecutors? The arrogant have dug pits for me. They violate your instruction. All your commands are true. People persecute me with lies. Help me. They almost ended my life on earth, but I did not abandon your precepts. Listen to the way, again to the way he clings to the Lord in these verses. This is 106 through 112. I have solemnly sworn to keep your righteous judgments. I am severely afflicted. Lord, give me life through your word. Lord, please accept my willing offerings of praise and teach me your judgments. My life is constantly in danger, yet I do not forget your instruction. The wicked have set a trap for me but I have not wandered from your precepts. I have your decrees as a heritage forever. Indeed, they are the joy of my heart. I am resolved to obey your statutes to the very end. Do you guys hear, I mentioned it earlier, just that, that tug of war? He's, I love David because he's just so honest about life and when it's hard, but, he, but 
does he focus on his circumstances? His focus is on God, and his focus is on God's word. And he knows that, that focusing on God's truth and grounding himself on God's truth is what will see him through. And you hear it in his prayers, that tug of war, but always redirecting himself back to the Lord and back to God's word. And speaking of the promises of God's word, Paul says, This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil. Hebrews 6, 19. Psalm 119, 165 says, Abundant peace belongs to those who love your instruction, and nothing makes them stumble. Both David and Paul knew that when our peace is rooted in God and his word, we don't have to be swayed by our circumstances, no matter how difficult. And we know that Paul and David both went through a lot in serving God. Some of my very favorite verses are Isaiah 26, 3 and 4, which say, You will keep the mind that is dependent on you in perfect peace. For it is trusting in you. Trust in the Lord forever. Because in the Lord, the Lord himself is an everlasting rock. The final letter in our delight acronym is T. And the Lord desires that in all of this, we have a teachable heart. No matter how long or how little we've walked with the Lord, we should always cry out to him as David did. Teach me, Lord, the meaning of your statutes, and I will always keep them. Help me understand your instruction, and I will obey it and follow it with all my heart. We are never done growing in the Lord. We always have so much to learn, and we should make it our practice to just come humbly before the Lord and say, as little Samuel did, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Waiting on the Lord to humbly receive his word, to to hear the things that he wants to say specifically to me, specifically to you. That's something I'm still learning to do, to to really quiet myself before the Lord. I think sometimes um, we come to the Lord and there's so much on our heart and there's so much that's overwhelming our minds and we come to the Lord in prayer and it's, you know, and, and we, we, we don't really still our hearts before him and spend that time. I'm sure a lot of you are a lot better at this than I am, but I know I'm really learning more and more to really calm and quiet my heart that I'm coming humbly and I don't necessarily have the agenda, <laughs> you know what I mean, already laid out and that I just want to come and I want to hear from him because he already knows all the little, 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 little that I want to pour out, you know, and not, and not that we shouldn't pour out our hearts to the Lord. We should, but just developing that habit of coming humbly to really just hear for him. Having a teachable heart also means that I have the right attitude toward myself and toward others. Paul instructed the Philippian church to do nothing out of rivalry or conceit, but in humility to consider others as more important than yourselves, and that everyone should look not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. And that's Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4. So this means that that we allow the Lord to show us how to best serve others. And when he uses others in the body of Christ to exhort us or rebuke us, instead of responding in anger, we respond with humility. And this, it made me think about um, 
fortunately, I have a lot of um, just wonderful believers in my life who I feel like, I feel confident that there's a lot of people around me that would, well, one of our friends called it pulling, would pull my covers if I needed them to. <laughs> That's what uh, a friend of ours calls it. But, but, you know, sometimes we need correction. We need gentle correction from another believer. Um, sometimes there's things that we're not seeing, but God's showing someone else to be able to use them to speak into our lives. And we have to be open to that. And, and when it happens, to not, not be defensive, but to, to humbly take it in and pray about it and say, God, is this really you? And a lot of times he will use people that way. And a lot of times for, for those of us who are married, he, he likes to use our spouses a lot. He likes to use my spouse a lot because they're, they're that sandpaper, that scalpel in our life that God's using to really transform us into who he wants us to be. And sometimes it's, hard, it's hardest to hear it from them, right? Or the people closest to you. It might not be your spouse. Maybe um, it's a coworker or friend that you're close with. But, but when people bring things to us, we, we need to have a humble attitude to receive it. And we need to pray about it and, um, and hear from the Lord whatever he's wanting to speak to us through them. Learning to delight in God's word is a process that happens as we walk humbly with our Lord and serve him out of a heart of love. And as I meditated on Psalm 119 for this message, I was just so struck by the wealth that we have been given in God's word. And as I read through the psalm, I I started kind of making a list of some of the things that God's word provides for us. And, And here's what I wrote. God's word brings joy, instruction, helps us maintain purity and avoid sin. It brings life, rebukes the proud. It's a counselor to the wise. It strengthens the weak. God's word is truth. It brings understanding. It shows us his faithful love. His word brings salvation. It brings freedom. It gives hope. It brings comfort in affliction. His word overwhelms our hearts with gratitude, and it teaches us how to live. His word is forever. It is firmly fixed in heaven. His word showcases his faithfulness. His word is perfect. It makes us wise. It is a lamp for our feet and a light on our path. His word sustains us. It gives us proper understanding of God's character and holiness. It brings light and understanding to the inexperienced. It steadies us in our walk and helps us resist sin. It reveals the righteousness of God. God's word brings peace to those who love it. May we be women who delight in God's word, women who discipline ourselves to regularly pursue time with our Lord and in his word, women who make his word our example for life, our pattern for daily living. May we be women who love God and his word with great abandon in these last days, women who are eager for the Lord to implant his word in our hearts that it might grow a mighty harvest for his kingdom. May we be women who are eager to give away his word to the spiritually hungry all around us, women who hold fast to Christ and his promises in the midst of life's storms and women who remain humble and have teachable hearts all our days on this earth until he brings us home. Let's pray. Lord, we're so grateful to be your daughters, and we're so grateful 
that you gave us this beautiful gift, this beautiful love letter, your word. And Lord, we are thankful that you gave us your Holy Spirit, Lord, this wonderful counselor to lead us into all truth. And we pray that you would just refresh us with your spirit, Lord, and give us a fresh and teachable heart to receive new things from your word, Lord. We want to grow in you more and more. I pray for each of the women here that you would just minister to their hearts exactly what they need from you, Lord, that you would encourage and strengthen, that you would, um, Lord, just comfort those who need your special touch this morning. And Lord, I pray um, that as we go into the rest of this week, you would go before us that you would just remove any fear of man from our hearts, that when you bring opportunities for us to, to give away your word to others this week, that we would take it. Even if our knees are knocking and our voices are shaking, Lord, may, may you anoint us and equip us and, and give us the courage in you that we need and the boldness in you that we need to just speak the, your truth in love to others. There's so many who are very hungry and thirsty for you, Lord. And I pray that, that we could be those who, who plant the seed of your word in others' lives, Father. We love you, Lord, and we're grateful um, to have this time to hear from you. And I pray you would just be continuing to encourage these ladies, Lord, um, throughout the week. And that you would send them forth in power, Lord, to continue to influence um, those around them for your glory, God. And then we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.